Today on The Travel Guys. In the travel news, Uber says child seats and boat rentals are on the way. And other countries are starting to notice the number of mass shootings in our country and are issuing travel warnings. Those stories next in the news. If you have some United Airlines frequent flyer points in your portfolio, we have some bad news for you. The airline quietly devalued your award currency last week when you weren't looking. More details in our Smarter Traveler segment at 3.20. Summer is just around the corner. Airports are crowded. Everyone has to pass through TSA. At 3.35, Sid Hanna from TSA in Sacramento has some terrific tips for you to make that experience easier. From a hotel standpoint, what are the best and worst places to stay in our country? Speaking of hotels, one in a remote part of Oregon is looking for a new manager. Our hotel update coming up at 3.50. Thanks for being part of the show designed to make you a smarter traveler. Welcome to the Travel Guys. On the road again. I've been everywhere, man. Get your kicks. On Route 66. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Travel and Entertainment Guys with Mark Hoffman and Tom Romano. So glad that you could uh, join us today. We're brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. And, uh, well, golly, it's a beautiful Sunday and time to make it all happen here on uh, on another Travel Guys radio program. As always, here to make you a smarter traveler. Mark, good to see you again. I, I understand you ventured up into the... Uh, into the Sierras to take a poke around. Went into the mountains yesterday. The Lincoln Highway Association is having its annual conference in Folsom this year. The highway goes all the way from Times Square in New York to uh, San Francisco, San Francisco um, to the Marine Headlands there, and it's a. Uh, it was the first official highway in in the country. Unlike uh, its cousin, Route 66, which came along 15 years later, the Lincoln Highway was kind of a series of roads across the country that people said, well, if you take this road and this road and this road and this road, eventually you'll get there. And so it was the first time that that cross-country travel or travel through many states by automobile was really considered possible. So um, we went up there coming in uh, the end of uh, actually just in a couple, three weeks here to Folsom, and they will be taking trips on the old highway, which came into Sacramento on both the 50 alignment and the old Highway 40 alignment before that were the Lincoln Highway. And some spots of that old highway are still travelable and or visible uh, from a distance. And it's really kind of – it was a cool day yesterday to go up. I didn't know that there was a, a lodge up at the top at Echo Summit at Johnson Pass. There used mm-hmm. to be – a you didn't go over the summit the way you do now uh, back in the day. And, of course uh, – Everybody knows the stories about the Donner Party and stuff like that and uh, what it took to get that train built through the mountains. It was really fascinating, and I'm really looking forward. We're going to have somebody from the Lincoln Highway Association, uh, their executive director, on the show next week just to tell folks in Sacramento a little bit about this piece of history that they probably, many people probably don't even know exists. So first cool. highway in the country through Sacramento. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll uh, before we get to the travel news, one quick question. I know and if our regular listeners know that you're a huge Route 66 guy, uh-huh. uh, you just uh, recently had a, a, a 
a tour group take the route. Uh, Lincoln Highway. Have you, uh, have Travel Sports Leisure's vacations ever done Lincoln Highway stuff? We did. Back about 10 years ago when the highway had its centennial, um, we did it in three parts coming across the country. And someday I'll probably probably do it again. It was fascinating. The great thing about uh, traveling old highways like the Lincoln Highway and Route 66, the Yellowstone Trail, um, there are some others that you can pick out, is the opportunity to get off the interstate. You never, you don't meet people on an interstate highway. I no. mean, <laughs> you know, you at, at, at best you get off at a rest area and and do your business and buy something to eat and get back in the fuel the car up and get back in the vehicle and off you go unless you by chance happen to run into somebody going in and out of the bill or out of the building that's about it whereas when you take these old roads time isn't as much of a factor um people take the old highways because they don't care when they get there and they know they're going to stop and bs with people along the way and that's the whole reason that they did it yeah the the only time you meet people on the on the highway is when there's a like a road rage thing, and you both pull over. That's not a good way to meet. All righty. With all of that being said, at the top of every Travel Guys radio show, we bring you up to date on the travel news. And reporting the travel news, Mr. Reporter Mark Hoffman. This is kind of fun. This just I just became aware of this literally a few minutes before we went on the air. The Texas Attorney General is suing Hyatt Hotels for deceptive trade practices regarding the true price of hotel rooms. Oh, my. So we're talking about, you know, that drip pricing where you go online and you think the hotel room was 169 and by the time you get to uh, the end, it's 247 and you're saying, wait a minute, what happened to 169 I, I know there are some taxes and stuff here, but and then you find out that you've been charged extra for the pillows and for the key to lock the door and um, you know, for, for towels for the shower and all that kind of stuff. Well, anyway, um, in Texas, at least, the attorney general has had enough. And he is saying that it's time for hotels to start telling people what the actual price is on the first page. So I don't think it'll be that tough. And I think this is something that can fairly easily be done. But it's kind of interesting that uh, Texas is jumping into the fray now. So perhaps hmm. the Texas Attorney General checked into a hotel recently and had this experience for himself. Uber has announced a couple of new initiatives. The cars, Some cars now are going to come with car seats. This wouldn't be important for me, but you, Grandpa, who has yes. a little one now, um, that might be a situation where you would need a car seat to be Absolutely. able to... Yeah. yeah, you can't you can't go without it. And, Sounds uh, like a good idea to me. They've tested this in a couple of markets, and uh, they are going to expand to other cities soon. So if you are an Uber rider and you sometimes have a little one in tow, why this might be something that would help you. Uber has also announced that they plan to launch a boat travel service in Greece that can be booked directly via the Uber app. Um, boating in Greece because there are so many islands is really a quite popular way to uh, for tourism to take place there in, in that country. And so uh, the Uber boat is unique because it's a private charter that allows the customer and up to seven additional guests to cruise to destinations around the Greek islands. So there's an update cool. for you from Uber. Uh, cities with the greatest increase in airfares this year. Guess what? Um, we're not among them. In fact... Um, this is a, a study from CheapAir.com, and they say airfares in Sacramento are up 14% year over year, the lowest increase in the country 
is in Oakland at 10%. So here at San Francisco is 12, Sacramento 14, San Jose 15. At the other end of the range are some small destinations, uh, Flint, Michigan. It, their airfares are up 35%, Akron, Dayton, Greensboro, uh, Tucson. But then you get Burbank, Miami, uh, San Juan, Fort Myers, and Minneapolis are the next five. Those are all up over 20% year over year. So all this survey really tells us all is that we're paying a lot more for airline tickets. And we'll talk a little bit more a little bit later on in the news here, but with the new pilot contracts coming up and seeing how big of an increase they are, don't expect your airfare to go down anytime soon. This is not going to affect too many people here on this side of the country, but if you travel a lot to the East Coast, it will. American Airlines and JetBlue created a partnership that allowed them to code share and sell tickets on each other's flights in the Northeast. Mm. The key to that is that JetBlue and American kind of own Boston and LaGuardia so they and, and Kennedy in, in New York. So this kind of meant that they could control fares and a lot of other things, and the government said not so much. So the government said no, and so that partnership will end immediately. Um, it is designed, the reason that it was shot down was because it was the government said it was anti-competitive. This probably doesn't bode well for Spirit Airlines and uh, JetBlue, who are hoping to merge, because the government is not in favor of that one either. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just so that folks know, um, the government's job here in these cases is to make sure that a merger that happens doesn't leave a whole bunch of us holding the bag. In other words, if competition is eliminated on key routes through a merger, then that airline can charge pretty much whatever they want, and consumers are going to suffer. So that's the reason that the government takes a close look at these. And speaking of airlines and labor actions... We've talked for a couple of weeks here about uh, airlines threatening to strike in our country. American Airlines pilots uh, are now have a new contract offer before them and are expected to approve it. And WestJet in Canada, which came within hours of going on strike this week, did not. They now have settled um, their issue their their uh, salary issues, and so there won't be a strike in Canada either. I look for all of these airlines too. Now that you've got Delta and American with new contracts. All of them are going to have new contracts, and guess whose pocket it's going to come out of? Yep, yep. Yeah. Um, United States remains one of the safest countries in the world. Not only has violent crime declined sharply since the mid-1990s, but uh, scholars say that the U.S. doesn't have much more crime, doesn't have much more crime than other countries. It does, however, have more guns. And so we are now seeing for the first time other countries suggesting that you need to be careful if you're planning on going to the United States to travel. There are seven countries on this initial list here, um, including Uruguay and Venezuela. I've never considered Venezuela to be a particularly safe country. So when they issue a travel warning, the others are New Zealand, Canada, Australia, the United Kingdom, and France are all saying that because of the gun issues in the United States, people need to seriously reconsider coming here this is the first time this has ever good not good our own state department considers or just travelers to reconsider visit visiting jamaica and columbia because of drug connected violence in those two countries and uh so there you are there's and finally in one last travel warning the naacp uh, has issued a travel warning for florida 
saying that this is probably not the best time for people of color. It, doesn't it strike you that NAACP, National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, that they are, they're overdue for a name change? I would have thought so. Yeah, would would seem like to me. But anyway, the NAACP uh, has issued a travel advisory, says the state of Florida has become too hostile to black travelers under the current uh, government there. Um, state had threatened earlier this year, uh, but uh, the organization had threatened to issue a warning earlier this year, but the governor called it a publicity stunt. Might be, but anyway, there you have it. A whole series of travel warnings about places that you shouldn't go to, and what a lot of fun that has been. And that's your travel news for today. Mark, uh, let's see here. Uh, before we get into our discussion about uh, United Airlines frequent flyer points, you got something else that you ran across that's of interest to us smarter travelers. Yeah, um, people increasingly, you know, we're increasingly becoming a cashless society. And more and more places from fast food restaurants to ballparks and different places like that aren't even taking cash in many cases anymore. So what's somebody to do who likes to tip the bellman or the, you know, the taxi driver? Or in some cases, you can you can add the gratuity on to whatever you're putting on your phone or your computer or the like. But in some cases, that's just not possible or appropriate. And people are carrying less cash. And I, I found myself in situations where, oh, hey, I'd like to give that person a buck or two or three. But, oh, I don't have any buck or twos or threes. So I have to make a concerted effort to have that on hand. Um, as people, as we're becoming increasingly cashless, the people who depend on tips as part of their income, and, of course, tipping is a very controversial subject to start with because some people think it's way overdone um i would be one of those people but i also feel like that there are some people um who are in positions that don't make a lot of money and provide an important part of the services that i need when i travel housekeepers um shuttle bus drivers people like that that i don't mind um, giving them a dollar or two so um hotels now are looking at uh some of the digital startups and trying to figure out a way that they can incorporate so that you could simply tip the bellman instead of giving him a couple dollars you could pull out your phone and within 15 or 20 seconds you could send a couple dollars to his account or to whatever account that the bellman shared their tips on or something kind of interesting i've thought about this and have kind of seen it coming for a while i'm surprised that it has taken as long as it has but um you know how are you going to leave a tip for the housekeeper in the room if you don't have any money. But if the hotel right. had provided yep. you with, uh, you know, go to our app and hit this button, and you can leave it very simply leave a tip, and it will actually get to the person that you tip. So anyway, that's just kind of an interesting story. We'll watch it and see how it develops. Here's one that's already developing. While you were sleeping last week, if you're a customer of United Airlines, um, your loyalty went down the tubes. Um, United has significantly increased award costs for both travel on United and partner airlines. Um, they're pretty steep. The cost of transatlantic awards has increased by over 30%. That's if you were flying across the continent on a nonstop flight. Um, we don't have too many of those from Sacramento. In most cases, you have to, you have to change planes. But nonetheless, um, being able to use your awards. So if you went to bed last night and you had 100,000 United mileage of points in your account it's 100,000 mileage plus miles um, this morning when you woke up it was the equivalent of having 75 or 80,000 um, of course United didn't tell us about this people had to pick up on it as they started searching for awards 
and the like and seeing that, hey, wait a minute, wasn't this a lot less yesterday? Um, so airlines don't, and we talk about this sometimes on this program, and that's one of the reasons why you can't go chasing your tail all the time when it comes to these status things with some of these people because if they have the ability to change the rules anytime they want to, and they change them regularly. Uh, in the old days, a one-way ticket across the country and coach was a certain number of miles, and a, a, a round-trip ticket was a certain number of miles. You wanted to go to first class. This was the cost. Then they went to this dynamic pricing, which was led by sports teams a few years back. They wanted to get more money for seats when the Dodgers were in town. The Giants did. Made Makes perfect sense. And less money when teams that weren't as attractive were in town. So it was a net plus for them, but it allowed people you could literally shop. And the airlines have done a little bit of that, raised the prices to dynamic pricing on a lot of awards and to some less popular destinations at off times of the year. You could see some real bargains out there, few and far between, but a few. Uh, now those bargains are just going to cost you a lot more money. And you can't be surprised at this. You cannot. And if you are a Delta person or American or wherever your loyalties lie in the airline world, don't be surprised because you're next. Um, the airlines have issued a lot of miles over the years. You know, every time we don't talk about this often on this program because I think it's a, a scam. But airlines, I see every week this airline is offering miles at 50% off or 75% off or two for one or something like that. How can they afford to do that all the time? Well, it's because the miles aren't worth poop. And they can change the value of them any time they want to. And that's exactly what United did last week. And you can expect the other carriers, now that somebody has stepped into the abyss, you can expect the other carriers to follow right away. If you are considering an award ticket on Delta, American, some other carrier that you hold a lot of points in and you've been you know, putting it off and putting it off, this might be a time to go get it because um, you can always put those miles back into your account. But once you wake up in the morning and the number of miles needed has changed, you can't go back to the airline and say, hey, wait a minute, give me a break. I was looking at this yesterday. That's not going to happen. So it, yeah. it, in this inflationary mileage and points environment that we have, uh, one who chases after those will, will come out a loser in the end. The bottom line is if you got them, use them uh, and use them now. Uh, a lot of times you'll be at that point where, gee, should I use points or should I cash out on this one? Oh, I'm. I like seeing my point values uh, mm -hmm. uh, grow. So I would. Uh, I think you're saying, Mark, uh, this is the time to to book it and use it. You're going to see. I predict in the next few weeks, other people are going to follow suit here, and whether they do it all across the board or they just do it on selective routes or on selective types of seats. You know, the cost of first class has come down on some routes fairly considerably. In other words, it used to be like four times coach, and now it's in many cases is only two times coach. Because the coach fare is higher, but still it represents a little bit better deal if you can afford it and you want to do that. Um, but again, if you're thinking of an award ticket with one of the carriers besides United, um, really take a look at it now because it's entirely possible that next week we'll be telling you that Delta or American or Southwest or somebody else has devalued um, their mileage redemption. You know, I would imagine that the majority of our uh, listeners here in the Sacramento area listening to this program are the ones holding Southwest points. Yes. Southwest and has so more flights than everybody else combined. But for many years, this was a United town. 
I mean, for many years, United had the most lift of any carrier. So it's pretty likely that we've got some longtime travelers listening to this program who have a pile of miles or points with some hotel chain or somebody. And the, the really the word to the wise is use them when it's prudent to use them. But sitting on them is never – they don't pay interest. The airlines and the hotels no. – don't say, oh, you've got 1,100 more miles in your account this month as interest. That doesn't happen. Those miles will never be worth more than they are worth today. I get uh, Southwest emails pretty regularly, and I'm mm-hmm. sure that everyone can identify with this. You get you get uh, kind of the same ones pretty regularly. Number one, uh, buy points. We got a special. Mm-hmm. Got a special on points. You're looking for some extra points. Boy, we're going to sell them to you. All you got to do is click here. And the other one is, hey, you want points? Refer a friend. Mm-hmm. You just refer uh, two or three people and we'll get you some points. And then, of course, there's the take out our credit card. Yes. And, and the credit you card, get some points. If you're yes, going to get sir. sucked into one of those credit card deals, the best thing at this point is if it says we'll give you 50,000 miles if you have this credit card and you hold it for 6 months and we'll give you an extra 20,000 if you spend whatever um do whatever you've got to do and as soon as that date comes up ditch the credit card it won't cost you anything on your credit as long as you obey the the, the rules but if you're playing that game my suggestion is ditch those cards go on to the next one you know the travel guys moving on we are more than privileged on a semi-regular basis to be joined by the fine folks at the uh, TSA here in Sacramento. Uh, today, it's Sid Hanna, Federal Security Director, joining us here on The Travel Guys. Welcome to the show, Sid. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Mark and Tom, for the opportunity. Hey, we appreciate uh, having a little bit of your time. So, Sid, I have a little list of, of things here that I have that I want to talk to you about. But the, the first thing is kind of a curiosity and also a safety thing. Um, we keep reading about how the number of guns that are being found in bags is quite a bit up on a year-over-year basis or the last few years, and that many of those guns um, are loaded. So any any thoughts from you about why this is happening and what measures that you're taking or anything that, that you can tell people? I mean, if some of these are happening by accident, then um, other than, you know, go through your suitcase and take out the loaded gun, what are we telling folks? So I appreciate it. It, it is a hot topic. Um, this is something that nationally is um, an increase in uh, guns at the checkpoint. And locally, we've already um, are going on pace to surpass the prior year's numbers. So we're constantly increasing. You know, the, the funny part is when we do ask, you know, about the gun, and most of the time, believe it or not, the, the response is, I forgot the gun was in my bag. And you are correct. Majority of the guns are loaded uh, with sometimes with you know, um, a bullet in the chamber. So um, it's it's scary. Uh, do I have the reason? I, I don't really. I know uh, people are getting more and more comfortable carrying their guns, and I believe that they just forget. This is something that we're looking into and trying to find out ways to help. Um, our, our job is to help assist, make sure this doesn't happen at the checkpoint. Uh, we've tried in different locations where we would ask the customer while they're presenting their ID and boarding pass, um, are you carrying any weapons, any guns in your bags? Um, some airports have seen some uh, seen, seen the benefit of that, and some airports said it has not changed. Uh, they will tell us no, 
And right after that, they put their bag on the belt and there's a gun in their bag. So um, I, I don't know what the solution will be to this. I know there's talk uh, amongst the, my colleagues and other people in, in headquarters, and, and that's up to the administrator where we go with this, but there's talk about increasing the fine, if that will bring uh, awareness, more public announcements, uh, getting out there in front of it. There's been talks about restricting travel. If you bring a gun to the checkpoint, uh, that day of travel, you're, you're restricted. Um, but those are measures that, these are, those are talks. Um, nothing is really official until our administrator uh, puts it out in writing or it has, you know, has a policy on that going forward. Sid, let me ask you, uh, you, you said that the number one answer is I forgot that I had my, my gun in my carry-on luggage. Is there any chance you can miss any? The, the chance is very slim. Um, with our technology that we have with, with the different um, extra machines that we have uh, throughout the nation, um, a gun is very easy uh, to locate, even in a cluttered bag, um, it stands out. So the chances are slim, um, but you are correct. Majority, uh, a large majority, are saying that they forgot that the, the weapon was in their bag. Um, some of them say, uh, "I took the wrong bag." This is usually the one I take to the range. Um, so th- those are kind of the common excuses that we find. Or I, I, I used my partner's uh, bag, and I, I didn't realize it was in there. You know, I, I just I, 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 I'm sure that that happens, but I really have a hard time buying into that, Sid. And I, I'm not asking you to comment at all. I just that's just my opinion. I really have a hard time buying into you accidentally took a different carry on bag. You didn't you never opened your bag to realize that your jacket or your your book or your computer or whatever is in your regular carry on. Anyway, it's just, it seems like a little bit of a stretch to me. It's almost as though some of these people are playing a cat and mouse game. The, 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 the gun is in the bag to see if you guys can find it. And what is really encouraging to hear from you is that it's practically impossible to get something like that through security because your technology allows you to be able to intercept things like that. So that's good. We're talking yeah. with Sid Hanna, um, at the, uh, who is a federal security director with TSA in Sacramento today. Sid, let's, let's shift gears away from guns here and talk about, cause 99% of us, um, don't bring guns through TSA. So for the rest of us, who are just trying to get through TSA. Everybody talks about how the summer will be busy. Do you have enough staff in Sacramento to handle the the influx of travelers? We do. That's that's the positive thing about Sacramento. Um, over the years, we've we've um, our staffing levels have always been where it needs to be. Um, we are we're doing the same for this summer. We're we have extra officers on on hand. Um, we have the airport Sacramento Airport works with us to make sure that the the experience, the customer experience is smooth here in Sacramento, and that staffing is not the issue. Um, what I'm afraid of is travelers that are starting to travel um, after being home for three three to four years and forgetting how it is to, to travel through our checkpoints. So that's, so that's me, the key part. Let me ask you, uh, Sid, if you were traveling from Sacramento and you didn't have TSA pre-check, Oh, about the system, and you had a flight that was going out at six in the morning. Let's call it rush hour, um, and and you had a flight. How early would you get to the airport? I would say an hour and a half. Um, you don't know what the ticket counter is going to be. If you're going to check check luggage, that can take some time. I just uh, recently came back from a trip to D.C., um, and the longest part was 
um, tagging my own bag and waiting for the carrier to accept the bag. So it wasn't about getting my boarding pass. It wasn't about seat changes or anything. It's just waiting to to turn in my bag so it could be checked. Um, so that can take some time. And, and I'm not saying that happens everywhere, but you're talking about six o'clock in the morning. Um, mm-hmm. Everybody's trying to fly out. It's first thing. It's the first thing in the morning, and just prepare for that. Prepare for somewhere along the process for there to be a delay. There are a lot of moving parts with airports. Everything from getting there and finding out that, oh, my goodness, I usually get here about 4 in the morning, and parking spots are open real close to the terminal. But now it's 7.30 in the morning, and all those parking spots are taken. So now I'm going to spend five more minutes finding a parking space. I'm going to spend 10 more minutes walking into the terminal. Oh, my goodness, I get into the terminal. Well, they're down two people at Delta Airlines this morning. So as Sid mentioned, now i got to wait in line to, after I've tagged my bag to pay for it and be able to go upstairs. I mean, we haven't even gotten upstairs yet to where you live, and there's a lot of things. So please, you do everybody a favor if you're headed to the airport, um, during, especially during rush hour and early morning hours, to allow yourself plenty of time. Tom? Yeah, Sid, uh, what advice do you have for our listeners to make them smarter travelers when passing through the TSA? I know we've gone over this before, but we have a lot of new listeners and maybe some new travelers headed out this summer. Uh, give them a, a short list of uh, some do's and don'ts. Well, my mindset when I travel, and I travel a lot, just came back also from an international trip, is take everything you can out of your pockets. If it's a jacket or your pants, um, get everything out of your pockets. Keep what you need, which is your ID to get through security. Um, and your, if you have a mobile boarding pass, I recommend having a in your carry-on a pocket or two where everything that you need to put in there, put it in there. Keys is a big thing for me. I put the keys away in a certain spot because I know that's where it will be when I need it. So I don't get distracted at the last minute, put it on a bin, and then not know where I put the keys later. So the less you can not have to deal with when you go through security, the better. For us, image, uh, image is the critical part. So every time you put a bin, a bowl, a bag, anything of some sort, is it's a single image where an officer has to stop, look at the image, and that takes time. So if you're trying to improve the, the, as you say, the speed or get through security as fast as possible, if everything is in in, in a bag or a bin, it, it's easier. And if you keep everything in a bag, then you know it's not going to fall out. Uh, the bin won't have a chance to fall over and you miss, you miss your items. But I put my jewelry, I put my watch, I put everything that I need, that I have, I put it in my bag and wait till I get on the other side and that's when I redress and put everything back on. Um, so that's my tip. And it, it makes it a lot easier. And you also won't forget your items because if you're rushed, you will forget where you put things at that moment. For sure. Ah, good. That is that is really good wisdom. I'm also, the, the whole key thing, Tom, I don't know about you, but I write the parking, you know, the number of the parking area on the back of the ticket and put it in a special spot in my wallet because too many times I've gotten home late at night and, oh, my God, where did I put that parking ticket nine yeah. days ago when I left? Yeah, Right, and where where did I park? <laughs> yeah. I was thinking- um, Sid, before we let you go here, is there anything that we haven't touched on? that you would like to communicate to folks who are who are going to be using the TSA uh, facilities this summer at the airport? If there's one thing, it's pre-check. If we're going to survive through summer and get everyone through security on time and, and keep everything hassle-free, I highly recommend pre-check. It's a simple fee. It's good for five years. 
Um, and it gets you through most checkpoints under 10 minutes easily. Some airports, five minutes or less. Um, I just, like I said, I just came back from D- DCA. Um, it was four minutes at six before six o'clock in the morning. That's what it took when I marked it. Because when I travel, I like to keep time of everything. And it was about four minutes by the time I presented myself on the other side. Uh, pre-check is simple and it helps. You keep you keep your shoes on if you don't have any metal on your shoes. You keep your belt on um, and, and you breathe through security. So if there's a way that you, anybody wants to help, that's one. The second one is a is luggage, and that's a sensitive issue. Again, the less items that you have through the checkpoint, the less we have to screen. Um, if there's a way to check your luggage, it's easy, it's hassle-free, and it also helps the air carriers because then they can board that flight sooner and get you out of that gate on time so the flight departs on time. Listen to him. Boy, he's since become not only a, a man for TSA, but he's he's out there letting you know what will and, – and he he's absolutely right, Tom. Um, the fewer the fewer wheelie check-on bags there are to board onto the aircraft, mm-hmm. then the fewer chance there is that, oh, we don't have enough room, so we're going to have to gate check those. So now we're 10 minutes late leaving, and, you know, then that all starts to cascade. So, yeah, those are – that's absolutely – Basic, basic wisdom. Thank you, Sid. Thanks for your time. Um, best to Dale, who you said is, is out on the road, but uh, let him know that we missed talking to him, and we'll check in with you guys again maybe middle of the summer. And if if you have anything that starts happening that you want to communicate, why well, keep the travel guys in, in mind, we can always make time for you. Well, as always, I look forward to talking to you this summer because we'll have some changes, and it'll be good to catch up and, and let the listeners uh, know some of the changes we're com- that's coming Excellent. Thank you. Sid Hanna, Federal Security Director for TSA for Northern California Airports. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Well, Mark, I always uh, I'm always flattered and uh, grateful that the folks from the TSA will spend time with us here on the show. And and I credit you uh, for this because uh, we chose from the very beginning to use their visit with us to make people smarter travelers, to glean quality information to do so, uh, and not uh, spend our time uh, complaining and badgering and pointing fingers as to uh, you know negativity about the TSA or how long it takes you to get through the line or why do I have to take my shoes off. So, you know, and I don't know. The lesson to be learned here is... Uh, Treat people professionally, give them the opportunity to uh, give you their side of the story and provide you the information. And by golly, you got people like Sid and Dale as uh, regulars here on this silly little local radio show. Yeah, they sound way less intimidating. And and, I mean, they sound like people who really want to help you get through through security. And because after all, it is to everyone's benefit if you show up better prepared, and there are fewer problems and issues. All right, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to tell you where the worst hotels are in America. What cities have the worst hotels, and, well, what cities maybe have the best hotels? And also we're going to tell you about this little hotel in northeastern Oregon that's looking for a manager. Maybe it's somebody listening to this program. Okay, Mark, let's uh, let's get to it. Hotel standouts. Yeah, well. And the worst in the country. I said before the break that I was going to talk about the worst places to stay and the best places to stay, but it turns out this list is only plant. This comes from Planetware, and uh, the they, interni- they analyzed 8 million hotel reviews on TripAdvisor to reveal the worst places to check into a hotel. 
So oh, this good. isn't the worst hotel as opposed to the worst destination overall to check into a hotel. You with me on that? Okay. Okay. All right, I think so. so yeah. Um, uh, my buddy Clayton was, was not real happy about this because Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, came in first. Atlantic oh. City, New Jersey was second, uh, followed by Virginia v- Beach. And in the number four spot, San Jose. Remember, this is based on availability of hotels, quality of hotels, prices of hotels, which in San Jose are ridiculous um, during the week. Um, so it's and also what guests complain about. And, you know, are those things that you can just brush off people that were just being overly picky or people who are, you know, this place is disgusting for a variety of reasons. So Myrtle Beach, Atlantic City, Virginia Beach had the list. The next three are San Jose, South Padre Island, Texas, and Memphis, Tennessee. Now, that's a destination that we hmm. that we use for sports leisure vacations. I don't recall any particular. And anyway, the, the rest of the top 15 here, San Antonio, Kansas City, Columbus, Indianapolis, Lexington, Kentucky. I'm surprised about that one, but that could have to do with overpricing. Phoenix, Nashville, and Galveston, uh, Texas. So it's, you know, it, it's everything. Guests complain about everything from the stench of cigarette smoke to a scarcity of toilet paper. The cigarette smoke I could probably put up with. The toilet paper issue might be... <laughs> Yeah, a little harder to deal. A, a with. little harder to to overlook. So, if you get into one of these cities and you get into a, a hotel, a, a room that you don't like, the first thing you want to do, of course, is contact the front desk and say, you know, I've got a problem here, and can I move to another room? If the whole hotel has that issue, then you've got to consider about whether or not you can can relocate, or whether or not you're just going to try to um, tough it out. If you've uh, if it's not a hotel that you've that, that you're in, but a vacation rental, then, of course, that's a whole different issue than a hotel. But the real key is if you talk to anybody or anybody says anything to you about refunds, availability of them or not, you want to keep good records of all of that. But basically, um, like I said, if, you, if you're looking for the worst hotels in America, again, this is not necessarily because, you know, there's no door on the room. It's because a combination of price and availability and quality and the number of complaints per property that are received. So um, San Jose came in fairly high there. Anyway, kind of interesting, I thought. The other so they're, item they're, – yeah, go ahead. They're, they're all, you're saying they're all lumped together to uh, accumulate a grade. Yes, for a destination. And, and those destinations that we meant have the worst overall grades – which doesn't mean that they don't have some really fine hotels in them, but it could be that uh, hotels are seriously overpriced, and also it depends on the number of complaints that are received um, by from hotels and places lodging for people to stay in in a particular destination. That's how uh, Planet Planetware has devised that particular little survey. I don't put a whole lot of value in some of these things because the methodology is different for each one and i don't know how much they're waiting you know san jose i'm guessing has this is high on the list because of the price of hotel rooms there but the prices of hotel rooms in san francisco are also very high and i don't see them on the list 
So, you know, the methodology is different for each one of these. It's kind of fun to mention them and talk about them a little bit, but um, it doesn't always mean that you're going to have a bad hotel experience or that you should avoid that particular destination. But it does tell you that there are more rat-infested or flea-infested or um, dirty bathroom or whatever it is that, that causes you to climb the wall when you check into a hotel. If you use the word infested, I'm, I'm already put you're, off. You're, infested. Okay, here's a more positive story. This has been a show with a whole lot of negative stuff. I mean, from airline strikes and all of we we talked about stuff here that is negative. This is kind of positive. The French Glen Hotel, um, which is in a state heritage, it's in an Oakland in Oakland in an Oregon State Park. The French Glen Hotel. If you look it up on uh, Google or you look it up on a map program, you'll find that it's. Yeah, maybe an hour and a half from Boise. So it's up in the northeastern corner of the state, and this little hotel is looking for a new manager. Um, there, the, the Parks Department is accepting proposals until June the 2nd. There is a link to this at TravelGuysRadio.com if you want. Um, it's, a, it's a very small hotel, has less than 10 rooms. They're looking for somebody to manage it. During the season, eight-room hotel built in 1917. It's been on the National Register of Historic Places since 1984. The French Glen Hotel sounds kind of cool. Is it an is it an Airbnb? No, it's just a, a small hotel up That's in small. The, yeah near Baker, Washington, um, Baker, Oregon, and uh, so anyway, how small? Eight rooms and two cottages. So that's small. That, that, that's pretty small. That's small. Go talk to the wife and ask her if I she could, wants to become a hotelier. I can make my ho- house into a hotel that small. There you, there you go. Anyways, there is a link, not only to that, but lots links to lots of the things that we talked about on the program today. You can find at TravelGuysRadio.com. And also, we occasionally throw in links to things that we don't talk about on the program. So perusing there once in a while will get you an interesting travel story or two. Not every travel story is designed to be talked about on the radio. And uh, keep in mind that if you uh, have a question that uh, we did something we didn't talk about on the show you want an answer to, you can uh, you can leave a question for the Travel Guys right there as well. So uh, it's TravelGuysRadio.com. Next week, going to have a fun show. It's uh, going to have a segment on the Lincoln Highway. The Lincoln Highway, yes. Historic old road that runs through Sacramento on a couple of different alignments and is having their annual conference in Folsom in a few weeks. So we will have the director of the Lincoln Highway on the air to tell you about a piece of Sacramento history. In the meantime, dance like nobody's watching. All right, my friends. Thanks, Caitlin, for a fine job. See you next week, my friends. Stay well. Bye for now.